But it's amazing being here this morning, and I, I have this privilege of just, yeah, just sharing with you and charging you this morning, which is so important for all of us. I think it's to be charged. And the only way I can think of us being charged is when we look at the cross. It starts at the cross. It ends at the cross. Jesus Christ has done it all. So we should actually be charged as Christians. Good morning. My name is Wayne. Sorry. <laughs> for those who don't know. Um, and I'm married to a beautiful lady, Jen. And she's amazing. And I just want to just start with Jen because I think it's so important. When God called me to, to serve a community, um, this lady, my wife, said that there's nothing else you'd rather do than stand by my side and do what God has called me to do. So she shared in that. And I just want to honor you, love. You're amazing. And then I've got two little boys. And when I look at them, I realize I have motivation to serve Christ even more. And it's, it's been amazing. Lee and little Zachary, when I look at them, I realize God has charged me for so much more. Because he loves me so much more. I can never understand his love. But what I do feel is amazing and it's overwhelming already. So that's incredible. So I really just want to talk about Red Week. And I just want to put this out there so that we understand that Red Week is not an event. Um, it should be a lifestyle. It should be a red life and not a red week. And I understand by what we are doing as a church for Red Week is really to challenge you to find out who you really are in the kingdom of God. I think when we're going out as a Red Week initiative, you will get to know people. You will get to find friends on this journey. You will get to serve people. And that's the most amazing thing. I always say it's not where you go. It's whose eyes you look into. And that is the most important thing when we do Red Week as a community. We do it together as a community to see who the people that we meet, the eyes that we look into, are far more important than where we go. So I really just want to encourage you this morning. By the way, I am an encourager. Okay. So if it's not on my face, please understand. I am an encourager. I'm going to smile. I'm an encourager. Why do I say that? We went away quite a while back, and there was this five-year-old, and he needed to jump into the waters like a five-meter, six-meter high cliff. And I said, well, why don't you just jump down? Your dad is down there. Look there, boy. Go for it. Go for it. He says, sure, okay, Uncle Wayne, I'm going. And he jumps into the water. It's amazing. He says, Uncle Wayne, I did it. Come, Uncle Wayne. I said, are you mad? Look how high it is. <laughs> so I found out that I'm just an encourager, okay? Is that all right? So I'm going to encourage you all. I'm not going to go into all the other places. I'm going to encourage you to go. How's that? Is that all right? Great. Why don't we stand to our feet and we're going to read Isaiah, which is one of my favorite verses. And this is the verse, at least this is the, the scripture that really changed my life. Um, because it questioned me. So we're going to read from Isaiah 6, verse 1 to 8, and it says, and do you have your Bibles? If you've got your Bibles, please take them out. It's so important for us to really have our Bibles. If it's on your cell phone, that's cool. That's okay. We get the word anyway. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on the throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim, each one had six wings, with two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. So I said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, 
having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken from the, uh, with the tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin purged. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am. Send me. Father, we thank you this morning that you are high above it all. Thank you this morning that you are charging us, Lord. Thank you this morning that as this word uh, is spoken, that hearts will be changed towards you. And we thank you, Lord, for all that you've done. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. I've got three points this morning, very quickly. I think it's important for us to understand, firstly, what serving is and what it isn't. Uh, and it's important to understand the Greek word for serving is doulos. Actually, the original word means slave. And did you know that there is no such word as volunteer in the Bible? It is nowhere found in the Bible. Actually, the word servant has been used since the first century, but prior to that, it was the word slave. And it's important to understand when Jesus uses that word slave, it actually means to serve and to be attached to with honor. And that's actually when Jesus, when Jesus speaks about these things, using the word slave, or even when you find it in the Bible, actually it means to be attached to, to serve with honor and to belong to someone, honoring that person the way you work for that person. So just to get clarity around that, I think it's important. Why is that important? When I walk into this church in the mornings, every Sunday morning when I walk in, I get to the front, I see guys standing in the car park, really just navigating parking for people, directing them to get parking. And I see their faces, and there's a story. When I come in by this door, I see people greeting me. I see faces, and I see a story. When I come into this auditorium, I turn to my right, I see the sound desk. I see faces, and I see a story. When I come to the front, I see a worship team. I see faces, but I see a story. When I go into that auditorium, in, into the courtyard, baristas, my favorite place, by the way, I see faces, but I see a story. These are not volunteers. We call them volunteers. It's easy to just say volunteer because they don't get paid for these things that they do. It's really a modern term for not getting paid. But these are servants. These are people who serve. These are people who, have, who are convinced by what God has done in their lives. And when I say I, I see a story, I want you to understand it's so important that we know that there are story of addictions, story of depression, stories of people who have, I'd say, homelessness, unemployment. These are real stories in this church. Yet these people serve. It has to be because of someone. His name is Jesus. I want to bring three points through to you this morning, and I'm going to charge you, and really to bring some understanding of what serving is. Serving is not a talent or a gift. It's an identity. And why do I say that? Because I think it's important for us to understand as a community, when we start thinking of serving as a talent or a gift, 
I can tell you now, you can have a talent and a gift and sit at home and do absolutely nothing. So I really just want to squash that idea that serving is a talent or a gift. Because many times people say, no, well, that's not my gifting. That's not. I really want to challenge. This morning I want to say, serving is an identity. And I want to use scripture out of Matthew 5 where Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Did you hear that? You are. Not you're going to be. Not I'm trying to be. Maybe. Jesus says you are. And I think the challenge this morning is really to take that to heart. Are you? Do you believe that this morning? The Bible says you are the salt of the earth. You are the city on the hill. Isn't that incredible? You haven't done anything. Identity has been spoken into you. Jesus says go because that's who you are. Amazingly enough, a city on the hill cannot be hidden. If that's who you are, have you noticed that a city on the hill, if you look up, there's nothing obscuring your view. You will always see it. Now bring that home to yourself. Wherever you are, nothing can obscure Jesus Christ. Nothing. That means wherever you are, you will shine for who he is. And bring, so I really just want to bring that, bring that home. So one of these things, point one, is really to bring it in. That is to, to make sure that we understand our identity in Christ Jesus, which is important for us, because that's the motivator for us going out so that it doesn't cripple us in thinking that we need to be a someone that needs to go out here. I'm going to challenge you this morning and say that you are a son and you are a daughter of Jesus Christ. Point number two. Serving is not a season. It is a lifestyle. I hear many people say it's not my season. <laughs> um, someone asked me once, uh, Wayne, how, how, how did you get to go into soup kitchen? How did you? I said, oh, God spoke and God said, do it. Really, it's, it's simple. Yeah. So, so, so the important thing to understand when God said, do it, it's, when I went out to Soup Kitchen, when we started off Soup Kitchen, it wasn't about my talents or my gifts. Actually, I didn't understand what I had in me. I didn't understand what God had downloaded in me. But going out into Site 5 <laughs> changed everything. Firstly, and most importantly, is I saw people and stopped worrying about my gifts and talents. I saw people. I looked in the eyes of little kids. I looked in the eyes of mamas. I see men on the side in their homes can't get up. They are drunk. And they can't get up. So it wasn't really about my talent and my gift. But looking at people in their eyes, the struggles that they go through. And why we started the soup kitchen wasn't really about Jen and myself. It was really a response to Jesus Christ saying, I've done it all for you, my boy. I've done it all for you. And so going into Site 5 was an incredible journey. When we got there first, I actually made a pact with a friend. I said, my friend, we're going into Site 5. Um, actually, if we die in here, at least we've died for Jesus Christ. It was really dramatic, you know, like, come on, we're going to do this thing. If I die, wife, love, if I don't see you again, just know that I love you. But this is for Jesus. And I just went really dramatic stuff, you know, dust coming up. And, and the first day, there was no one. Actually, we had to run off the people. So we just, come on, free, mahala, mahala, free. 
It's like, nah, people just walked. And that could have made us very despondent. In fact, we could have stayed away and said, okay, maybe this is not the place to be. But my wife, in her own wisdom, <laughs> said, God wants us there. And we kept on going. And every time we went back, it started growing. It started growing. We had five people. Then we had 10 people coming. Then we had a little queue of 10, 15 people standing, waiting for sandwiches. And the soup was amazing. And then after that, there was this massive queue just growing and growing and growing and growing. And today we have about 250 kids that we serve inside five. And, and they look hungry in their faces, but let me tell you something. They are more hungry when they hear the word of God spoken into their lives. They start rejoicing and worshiping as little kids, saying, Jesus loves me. When I look at their circumstances, then I think, Lord, Lord they're singing, Jesus loves me. They're not looking at their circumstances. I learn so much when I go out and I serve others. I learn so much of what I have and what God has given me, and I get to appreciate that more. And that is the key to serving people. It's really not about ourselves. It's actually about bringing people into the kingdom of God. And Jesus says in John 13 to 14 to 16, he says, Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, no slave is greater than his master. You see, there's that word slave. No slave is greater than his master. And Jesus says, I tell you to go and do it. I don't think we need to come back to Jesus and say, oh, well, this is my story. I can't really. Actually, we get to serve because it's a lifestyle. We get to serve because the king of glory has summoned us to serve. And we can't call him Lord and then say, but. That's contradictory. He is Lord over our lives. He's Lord over this mission. And the privilege of choosing you to serve, we should take note of that. I think it's important. And so with that, with Jesus washing his feet, and I know some of us, we really, I know, when I go into a restaurant, the first thing I do is I get to sit down, we look at the menu, and I take that napkin, and I just say, right on. We're going to chow this evening. And I'm very finicky, you know, I'm very finicky. I don't just eat anything. I, I'll wait, because by the time the waiter's done with my wife, I'm still looking through the menu. Because I'm very choosy. I don't just eat anything. But when I sit there and I realize this napkin that has been put here, and I think of what Jesus did, washing the disciples' feet, he's saying, Wayne, it's time that we take that napkin from here and start throwing it over our arms and start serving people. Many of us live a lifestyle of a napkin that we have in front of us. But God has called us to put that napkin over our arms and start serving. Point number three, serving is a sign of a grateful heart. <laughs> really, <laughs> we just need to look at the cross. I want to come back to that. Isaiah 6, it says, And he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin purged. I want to stop there for a second. We're talking about Isaiah's experience, but that's the gospel experience of today. 
Jesus Christ has cleansed us. Jesus Christ has done it all on the cross. Jesus Christ paid a hefty, hefty price. He has shed his blood, a painful experience. But in that, he had us in mind. And he cleansed us. He restored us. And he made us righteous before the Father. And we've done absolutely nothing. Verse 8 says, Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am. Send me. I think that's a sign of a grateful heart. I think that's a sign that responds to someone, at, at least to God, saying, Thank you for all that you've done for me. I was wretched in my ways. I was dead in my sin. And you came, God, and you've done this for me. I'm grateful, Lord. Send me, because I've seen you, and I've seen what you've done. My question this morning is, have you met the King of glory this morning? Have you, met, have you really met the King of glory this morning? Because that's the charge that is in us, that if we really encountered the King of glory this morning, Red Week would have all of us there. That's the challenge this morning. Red Week will call for the whole of this community to get up and go. I know that logistically some things are not possible, but in your heart, if you can't make it, keep on praying. Keep on praying. Pray for this community. Don't say they are going. Don't say life changes is going. No, say we are going. Even when you're in the workplace, say we are going. My people are going. We are life changes church, but we belong to a glorious king. So we can go on our knees and pray for these guys as they go out if we can't make it. That is the charge that on, that's on us. And finally, I want to leave us with an incredible scripture. Philippians 2, 5 to 8 says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death of a cross. The first line says, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. And God is calling us this morning. God is calling us to be like-minded. God is calling us to serve people that are less privileged. Not, not less privileged in the sense of what they have, but I think there are people who are dying to hear the gospel. And it's not necessarily poor people in terms of finances, but perhaps poor because they don't have the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And we get to serve these people. What a privilege this morning. What a privilege for me to share this with you this morning. And I'm just going to put up a few pictures so that I can tell you a story of people serving inside five and why it's important that we just talk about these guys. And these guys, they don't get recognized for anything. And we don't want to recognize, but we really want to honor people, which I feel is so important. This lady, Lee, you might have seen her around here. Very quiet lady. I know her story. I know this lady's story. She, two kids and an amazing husband, one of my best friends. But she's at soup kitchen serving little kids. And she couldn't be anywhere else, she says. She wants to be there. Her prayer one day was, Lord, 
I want your heart for these little kids. And this is a lady who's been with us since we started Soup Kitchen, and she's still there, and yet I know her story. It's an incredible story. It's not a sad story. It's an incredible story. And she still serves today, and I want to honor this lady, Lee, one of my best friends. Can we move on to the next picture, please? <laughs> I'm from the southern suburbs. He's from Bloemfontein. He's my best friend. When we go out <laughs> into mission fields, you'll never know who your best friend is going to become. I think this is testimony of what God does. When I come from a background of racism and all those kind of things, and then I have a mate in my house who's from Bloomis, and he loves me, and I love him, but he's there serving little kids. I know his story. It's not what you think, but I know his story. Can we move to the next one, please? Champion. Hey, Norbert, you know what, eh? I didn't ask you to come to Soup Kitchen, bro. You just came. I said, Lord, if ever I stop doing Soup Kitchen, who are you going to send? And the following week, this man comes. And he's standing in Soup Kitchen and he's got this authority about him. <laughs> speaking to people and leading people. He takes up the mantle of actually... Um, taking the volunteers afterwards. And there I use that word volunteers because those are the ones that are coming from all over. And this is a man who submitted himself to, to serving in the soup kitchen regardless. I want to honor you, bro. Thanks, man. You're an amazing guy. I love you, bud. We move on to the next guy. Oh, next woman. <laughs> That's my Bloomy's best friend and wife. Um, when, when Zachary came... She was the first person running towards us. And I won't tell you what she calls Zachary. <laughs> but she was an anchor to us at that time. Calling Jen all the time, visiting Jen, making sure she's okay. Well, she's got her own little two-month, three-month-old baby. But she's got a heart for community. Beautiful heart for community. Loves serving. When she came here the first time, as we would have invited people in, even at our link sessions, she said, I heard you doing a soup kitchen. How can I help? And how can I serve? And since then, we've been mates. Again, you don't know who could become your best friend when you go out on mission. We have the next slide. Sorry, I'm going a little bit over. Here's this man. Some of you might know him as Gerard. Um, yesterday, he introduced himself to a German lady as Gerhard. So... <laughs> but, but, um, and we say, Gerhard? He says, yes, they don't understand the Gerhard here in Cape Town. <laughs> but also a lovely, lovely guy. He's all in. When I met this man, he's all in. He wanted to serve. He took over the mantle from a lady who had to leave the soup kitchen. And he said, I'll take it on. He can't speak. I, I'm not saying you can't speak. But English is not his first language. Let's put it that way. And yet he has to speak in English. But he took it on. And now he's doing the kids' ministry inside five. What an incredible guy. Just gave it up for everything. <laughs> Some of you might know this lady. Uh, she always complains to me about the, the buttering of the bread. And no, not such a lot of butter. No, not. 
I said, okay, she's really the mother around the soup kitchen, but loves little kids. Also, when she joined us as a team, it was never about, yeah, well, let's, let's see if she can. Tina, maybe, no. Tina has walked this journey. And a volunteer comes and goes, but a servant makes it their lifestyle. And I could see this in her. And we said, I'd want you on our team because you've got the heart of a servant, which is so great. And that's Tina. I want to speak about Sam um, and just how amazing this lady gave it all up for, to do life with my wife, Jen. She was a teacher. She was quite secured financially as well um, with her husband. But she gave it all up to serve a community. She started a reading room inside five with my wife and teaching the little kids. And those are the little kids there at the reading room. And she's found so much joy in just serving God. And I'm telling you these stories because it's so important for us to understand what God has done in our lives. It's so important for us to understand that these are people that go out every week. We don't get to see it often, but we want to honor these people. But we'd love to do that with everyone here. That's the call that, is God, that God has called us to. Is that okay? Is that all right? Yeah. Can I pray for us? Father, I thank you this morning that you've charged us. Thank you this morning. It's your love, Lord, your grace and your mercy, Lord, that sends us out. And thank you this morning, Lord, that Red Week will be spectacular because you are at the center of it all. I thank you, Lord, for those who have received the word this morning. I pray that hearts will be changed towards you, God. And I thank you, God, that it's from you, that it's through you, and that it's to you. For the glory of God the Father. In Jesus' name, amen.